We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Amen. I needed those songs, didn't you? And just while we're still standing, we can just pause and take a moment just to think through uh, what we just sang. One of the things that I love about being a pastor is I get a front row seat to your lives and ministry. And I know that one of the best ways to comfort a sufferer is to talk and sing about heaven. So let's just pause and and just remind ourselves and ask the Lord to minister to us. Lord, you're coming back. Thank you. One day he's going to wipe away every tear. It'll give you great endurance. thank you that you are our rock and that we can hide in you. I know there's a lot of folks in this room that need to hide. Not hide from problems or hide from from stress. They need to So would you bring rest to their hearts? Would you bring comfort to their souls? And, and would you would you minister with your spirit to them? We believe that you're coming back. And we hold on to those truths. We know they're true. So just Lord, we've we've asked for forgiveness when we've forgotten. Like Joe said, when we're distracted, uh, when when our hearts have chased after other idols. And so we just just thank you for your love and your mercy. And uh, we're excited to to see how you're going to minister to us today, even more so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat, and I'll try to get my act together. Kids, you are dismissed. Great to worship with you guys. I love it, especially when you guys sing All Hail King Jesus. Don't you guys love that song when the kids sing loud? Ages 7 and down. If you're new to this church, um, we just dismiss ages 7 and down, and uh, we feel like everyone else can really handle it. And... uh, receive God's word. So um, have a great time, kids.
Um, hey, just a little impromptu. Um, I haven't even said hi to him yet. Um, but I think it's worth recognizing that uh, Ryan and Sarah Ball are here. Um, they are, I know you don't want me to do this, but uh, Matt and Sarah Ball. Matt and Sarah Ball. I'm all over the place this morning. Yeah. Matt and Sarah Ball. Um, uh, Matt's, Matt's a pastor at a local church, and uh, they are on sabbatical. And it is, you're, you're just setting a great model for our, our, our church family and that when we go on vacation, that we go, we're to find a local church and to worship God there. And so thanks for modeling that. But I'd love to just pause and pray for you guys um, as a church um, and just ask the Lord for just restoration and, and um, just hope that today ministers especially to you guys. So yeah, let's just pause one more time. So, Lord, thank you for Matt and Sarah Ball. Sometimes I call them Ryan for short. <laughs> Sorry about that, Matt. Um, but we pray for the Branches Church. Would you, um, would you, while they are gone, would you just greatly strengthen that church, rise up leaders? Um, Lord, would you um, edify that church with your word that is never changing and is so strong lord would you um would you bring great healing and uh, great um, restoration to the ball family give them great rest give them great times of laughter and relaxation as um, as they as they have a little time away and i pray that this morning would be such an encouragement to them and it's in jesus name we pray amen Glad you guys are here. Let's dive into the Word, shall we? Open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, and we'll be in chapter 10, verses 16 through 21. If I haven't said this already, my name's Mike, if you're visiting here, so I have the privilege of feeding the flock God's Word this morning. If you were to ask, um, what is the Bible all about, what would you say? The whole book, what would you say? We've asked this many times, and it's worth repeating, but if you were on an airplane reading your Bible, and someone were to say, hey, what is that book about? What would you say? Right? Uh, the Sunday school answer would obviously be, that's right. Oh, it's about Jesus, right? But like, how would you, in a thoughtful way, summarize the Old and New Testaments to point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we've said in this church that the Bible is about the glory of God through Jesus. The glory of God through Jesus. That would be the whole story or the, the meta-narrative of Scripture, right? The Bible has 66 books. And each book uniquely contributes to that broad brushstroke of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And so we've been in Romans for a while, and we're seeing that Romans uniquely contributes to that. It's not just like any other book. If you were to take, for instance, the whole Old Testament and give it a word, I would say the whole Old Testament could be summarized like this. Anticipation. It is anticipating Jesus Christ. 
If you were to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and summarize it in a word, it would be manifestation. That's the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Acts. If you could summarize in a word, it would be the proclamation of Jesus Christ. What about all those letters, the epistles? That would be the explanation of Jesus Christ. And then revelation. How would you summarize that in a word? That would be the consummation of Jesus Christ when He comes back. If anticipation, manifestation, proclamation, explanation. What happened? Consummation when He's coming back. But how does Romans uniquely contribute to that overall message? If you would, keep your like pinky, keep your finger in Romans 10 and turn to Romans 1 and we're going to read the first few verses of Romans to just remind ourselves of, of this message. What is it that we are studying? What is it that Paul is saying to us? So that we don't miss the forest for the trees. And I'll just go ahead and read it right off the screen if you don't have your Bibles. But I would encourage you to bring, bring your Bible each Sunday. Here we go. This is Romans 1, starting in verse run, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Here's verse 3. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Hold on to that one phrase, the obedience of faith, and turn in your Bibles to Romans 16, the last chapter in the book. Romans 16, 25 through 27. And we're going to just read this together, and you're looking for commonalities, common repetitious words. So here's verse 25 of chapter 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Any similarities? There's a few of them, but what I want to do is point out the repetition of the obedience of faith. Because in our text today, it's this microcosm of the whole book. So turn to Romans 10, and now we're going to see the bookend of verse 16 and 21. Let's see verse 16. Watch the repetition, how Paul returns in the middle of the book or so to this idea of the obedience of faith. Here's verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. And then let's jump to 21. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary 
people. So that's the bookends of our text today. And I am going to do my very best to preach it fat and heavy to you. And uh, I'm excited. Who knows when the next time we'll be in Romans 10, 16 to 21. And so I'm just praying that this would minister to you greatly. And I would encourage you to work hard and ask the Lord to have this text minister to you today. The title of the message is Obedience of Faith from the Heart. Obedience of Faith from the Heart. And what we call our timeless truth here, this is just the text summarized in a sentence so that you're not hearing Newman's ideas, um, but you're hearing the main message or the big idea of the text proclaimed to you today. And hopefully the points follow the flow of the text is this, that from the heart of stone comes the rejection of God and from the heart of flesh, the obedience of faith. And we will explain that as we go. It'll be really easy to distance yourself from the text today like, um, oh, this is for someone else out there. Like, uh, this, is, this, is, this is what happened with the Jews. Um, good thing that'll never be me, though, right? <laughs> and so I think that this, will, this text will equip you in the work of ministry to give you great discernment. Um, but also, it'll be great for your own heart to discover that we're not that complicated. So here we go. Uh, point number one is obedient faith comes through hearing. Number two is the ear and the light bulb questions. And then number three is our call to respond. Let's jump into point number one. Obedient faith comes through hearing. I'll read verse 16 and 17 for us. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Genuine faith produces genuine obedience. So Paul quotes Isaiah here, which is in the Old Testament. Isaiah was, was preaching to a people and they continually turn their backs on the Lord. And so Paul is quoting Isaiah to remember them and also say those times are true of today. It's happening right now. Let me just ask a few, ver uh, a few questions from the verse 17. How does someone get faith? You can kind of just glance in your Bibles. How would you answer that from verse 17? How does someone get faith? If we were in chapter 9, we would definitely say, well, that God elects them. He grants them faith. And that is absolutely true. But now we're asking, how does someone experience salvation? We're seeing in chapter 10 that there is a strong emphasis on man's responsibility to respond to the gospel. So how... How does that occur? How does that transaction take place? And we're seeing in this verse that one must hear the gospel through hearing it. There is a conduit that God has chosen to has, have his gospel be transferred. And the conduit 
is the ear. How will they hear unless there is a preacher? So to summarize it, in, in, an, in an image, it would be that the gospel, the message of Christ, comes through the ear. It goes to the head, and it travels the 18 inches to the heart, and it changes the man or the woman. That's pretty much it, <laughs> okay? His chosen method, or we could say his agency of salvation, is through hearing. What does that necessitate? If that is true, that if faith comes through hearing, what is needed then? And so we would say proclamation, that the church must proclaim the gospel. Okay? And so we're diving in it. We're going a layer deeper and then a layer deeper. So I've got to, I've got to say it so that this isn't just niceties, but I, this is my chance to pastor you. This method, we could say this method of gospel growth, um, it's not the most popular in today's society or culture. Um, Proclaiming the gospel with words uh, isn't showing up on um, the most popular church growth books. It's not hitting the cool websites. And uh, if you like subscribe to some cool like christian magazines it's not making the title page to speak the gospel to other people it doesn't seem to have this like missional or cutting edge strategy towards kingdom advancement but god is telling us today that people come to Christ when they hear the gospel. And that happens when the church talks about it, when they proclaim it. Just think about how when you came to Christ, okay? Your story, like your, when you became a Christian, your conversion, we could say, when you were born again, right? Pick any image or, or a New Testament allusion to what happens when a heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. You probably were close to someone in relationship. They probably like displayed the gospel through just a heart of service or did, did something otherworldly, like supernatural, where you went, whoa, that's not common. I haven't seen that. And whatever that guy has or whatever that girl has, I don't have it. Right? That's probably how many of your stories go. Where you saw the gospel displayed in it, and through that revelation, it was revealed to you that you're not a Christian. Right? It was like, Whatever he has, I don't have. Theologians call that general revelation. General revelation, uh, what, what can mean is, is revelation is what is revealed to you. And general gives this idea of opposite than special. Special is like a biblical divine message from God, the Bible. General would be creation. So you walk outside you look at the beautiful Japanese sycamore tree and you go, wow, 
there is a creator and I'm not him. <laughs> and I can't do that. I can plant trees, I can split hostas, but I can't speak a hosta or a tree into existence. There's someone greater than me, and it's not me. General revelation. General revelation is pretty awesome, but it has its limitations. General revelation can condemn but it cannot save. You can't go outside, look at a tree, and understand substitutionary atonement through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can't. It's got bark, it's got leaves, but you can't connect those dots. You must hear the Gospel. General revelation is not enough to save. Why is this important, right? Man, Newman, you're losing me. I feel like you're 10,000 feet in the air, like you went all theological and stuff. Let's, let's like bring it down, okay? Um, so a few years ago, prior to Hannah and I and our family moving here, we heard that there was a great movement in Cincinnati to make Cincinnati a better city. And so like a whole bunch of restaurant owners and things like that just pulled out all their food and, and just set up shop and just fed Cincinnati. And still, today, people are talking about that. I had a lunch with a guy just the other week. He talked about how awesome it was that Cincinnati was being made better through the feeding of people. And one restaurant owner in particular made the news, and he whipped out filet mignon and lobster. Okay, can we all just pause for a second and go, how cool, I mean, wouldn't you want free lobster after church? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Who wouldn't want a filet mignon for free after church today? Vegetarians, where are you? Okay, so <laughs> I've got one. Sorry. <laughs> There'll be zucchini there. <laughs> right? Was that a good thing? Yes. Could perhaps the city of Cincinnati see the, the goodwill of man, or, or uh, even if Christians were doing it, could they see perhaps the love of Christ by the hands and feet of Christ? Yes. Does anyone become a Christian through the feeding of lobster and steak? That's right. That's right. No. No. And it's important to like put flesh on this because we have to hear this message today that we must be proclaimers of the message of the gospel, the word of Christ. Another story to, to bring color to it and to further our understanding. I remember talking to a, a few college students a few months ago. And how you doing? Great. We were at the mall the other day and we, we got to pray for so many people. It was awesome. It was awesome. Wow, cool. You're going to the mall. You're in college. You're going to the mall. You're praying for people. Church, is that a good thing? Absolutely. Come on. Yes, it's a great thing. Okay. Um, what would they do? They, they would go to people and they'd say, hey, can we pray for you for anything? Maybe your grandma, your grandpa. Any physical ailments? Do you, does your leg hurt? Does your arm hurt? Can we pray for you? That'd be great. My legs and my back hurt, right? Side note, 
all guys' backs hurt <laughs> when you go to the mall. It's so funny. I can play basketball for an hour, nothing hurts. But you go to the mall, and it's like, there's something about the lights. And it's like, I need a, a snow cone, right? <laughs> Everything, yeah. Anyways, okay. So, they're going to the mall. They're praying for people. The report I got back, sweet, like, tell me about it. What we got to share the gospel with so many people. You got to share the gospel through that? Yes. What did you say? Well, we didn't really, I mean, we didn't say anything. We, we prayed for people. Um, like, but in terms of, like, telling them about how to be a Christian, we, we didn't do that. Is praying for people a good thing? Yes. Did they share the gospel, though? No, because faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. The church needs to open their mouths and speak with clarity the message of the gospel. That's our calling. That's what we do. Your response so far could be something like this. Like, well, I mean, this like letter was written like a long time ago. Maybe this is a cultural thing. Mike, we've moved on. We're like in the digital age. We're smarter than that, right? Can God use digital things to advance his kingdom? Yes. Yes. Is it a replacement for the proclamation of the gospel? No. Why? Because faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Let me just ask a simple question. Do you think Jesus would agree with everything that we've talked about so far? Do you think Jesus would be up for that? Would my words match the method and strategy of Jesus' public ministry for three years? Let me show you one passage of Scripture. If you would, turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, you know it well. This is the story of the paralytic where Jesus um, is teaching and his friends bring in the, the paralytic. They cut a hole in the ceiling. There's all this like drywall or whatever they used back then. Mud, sticks, stones falling from the ceiling, okay? And they lower this paralytic down. And Jesus, he looks at the paralytic. And do you remember how it goes? He says, your sins are forgiven. Which is a little bit of a surprise in the story. Because you'd be like, you would think that he would first address the physical. But he goes, your sins are forgiven. And then the story goes on to create this like conflict that, that Jesus knows what the Pharisees are thinking. The Pharisees are going, well, that's easy. Who can forgive sins but... That's right, but God alone, which is the point. Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus, knowing what's in their heart, asks and speaks out, and he goes, hey, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven, to say it orally, audibly, to speak your sins are forgiven, or to say, notice the repetition, like the emphasis on speaking, or to say, Pick up your mat and walk. 
let your eyes find verse 10. Watch what Mark does here. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but this is new to me. Okay? I just love this verse now. I always just skimmed right through it. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Watch this. So he said to the man, did he touch him? No. So he said to the man, and watch this. Here's where the quotes start. I tell you. Why do you have to say that? Mark's telling us something. I said to the man, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. You see it? Like Mark is telling us something even in that short verse. That Jesus is the Son of Man. And the Son of Man, He spoke and sins were forgiven. He spoke. The paralytic got up and walked. The Son of Man, we don't have time to go into it, but that is a theme of the Old Testament. He's pointing back that, that this man was back way before even time began because in creation, God himself spoke the world into existence. He said, he said, he said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. He created man, woman, and he breathed with his breath life into him. And that same creator, God, is Jesus. And Jesus speaks, and sins are forgiven. And the paralytic got up and walked. His life was changed from the spoken word. It's beautiful. This same Jesus affirms the written word of the Old Testament. He says, hey, not a jot, not a tittle will pass away until all comes to pass. John 10, 35, he he said that the divinely inspired word cannot be broken. And then Paul riffs on that same idea in 2 Timothy. And he says, Whew, all Scripture, all Scripture, that's all the prophets, all the law, and everything that I'm writing, it's all useful and profitable. It is inspired by God. And so in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, he says, so preach it. Speak it. Have it be on your lips. Talk about it all the time. Proclaim the gospel. So, so far, if you're tracking, you might even go like, oh, sweet, I am all about what you're talking about, Mike. Like, I am so tracking with you. That, I'm glad that Mike is saying that. That means I go to a good church. So preach on, Mike. That's your job. That's what pastors do, right? Yes. That is, that is my chief calling, to feed the flock and proclaim the gospel. But that's, that's not it. That's pretty anemic, if you would just keep it there, isn't it? Like that's, that's part of it, certainly, that churches need to proclaim the word and the word is Christ. But also the church proclaims the word and leads people to Jesus. And they've got to proclaim it to the whole world. 
so that they can come to know him. So we can pray. Prayer works. But God's chosen method of how he brings about conversion is through hearing the word of God preached. We are a young church, and all of these texts are so foundational for us. They're establishing us because we could come up with some pretty cool programs. We could buy a whole bunch of bounce houses. We could, um, we could do a lot of cool workshops. And they will all be for the birds if we don't proclaim the gospel. We could, we could paint the building a really cool color. We could do a lot of remodeling. We could do all this cool stuff to attract people. But if we never open our mouths, there's nothing wrong with programs. I think they're great platforms to proclaim. But it's all a wash if we're like sitting at a booth and meeting people and never proclaim the gospel. So let me tell you a story to color that, to give us an idea of how does this work in real life? How can I, how can I understand those, those truths in my life? So uh, I remember sitting down with a friend uh, when we used to live in Texas uh, after he just lost his three-year-old daughter. And um, obviously that was a super, super challenging time. We walked miles together in silence. We drank gallons of coffee together and me just listening. Um, he was searching for the truth. Um, he wasn't a believer. And he was wondering, he was asking the deep questions of life. Why is this happening? Why suffering? Why death? Why me? And during this extreme process of grieving, he wanted and needed answers. He needed a loving arm. He needed a comrade. He needed a companion. But he needed explanation on life's questions and challenges and so I remember one story or one time in particular when I asked him has anyone ever shared the gospel with you and I and I just said hey before you answer that like has anyone ever told you the message of the bible from beginning to end okay so I'm sharing this story with you for two reasons okay um, one is just to exchange some common language to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is not a weird question, okay? I, I asked it in such a way because we were living in the Bible Belt, and if I would say this, hey, anyone ever told you about Jesus? His response would have been, well, yeah, I know all the stories, right? I, I grew up, but I wanted to ask that in such a way to give me opportunity for him to say, huh? I don't think so. I don't. That's worded differently. I want to hear what you have to say. Has anyone ever explained to you the gospel from the scriptures? So I want to. I wanted to like exchange common language, but also 
I'm telling you that because of where the text is going. Because, uh, uh, to my knowledge, he never became a Christian after I explained the gospel to him. Was it my fault? Did I do a bad job? I don't know. I, I, I probably could have done better. Was it his fault? Was it God's fault? Like, why isn't that guy a Christian? And that's where our next verses are going. But my challenge to you before we jump into the next verses, how would you answer the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And I would challenge you, try to, try to sit down one morning this week and from the Old Testament and the New Testament, choose a couple verses that you think would explain the gospel to someone. And then just sit on it, church, right? <laughs> no way. No way. Pray and ask the Lord, Lord, who would you have me to share this with? To share the gospel. Let's go to point number two. This is the ear and the light bulb point. And uh, this is just to summarize the next two questions that Paul is going to raise. And if you are driven by images, you can just remember this by there's an ear question and a head question. Uh, a question of oral. Didn't they hear right? Did the Jews hear? And did they understand? Okay, so in the margin of your Bible, 5 verse 18, draw an ear. Let me read it for you. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the earth. All right, so Paul quotes Psalm 19 here, which is a great psalm to quote because it's affirming creation as general revelation. But it's interesting in that the psalmist gives creation a voice. He's saying nobody is without excuse. Everybody can see the trees, the grass, and everyone can acknowledge that they are not the creators and that God alone is the man. Romans 1, 19 through 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So let's just ask again, in this context, was Israel hard of hearing? Did they need a hearing aid? Was it just that ah, they just missed a couple words and maybe it could have been explained to them a little better? Did they need to go to the ENT to get like an ear check? No. They rejected God. They're without excuse. And anyone who rejects the gospel message is rejecting God himself. Are you rejecting God? Let's see if Israel's problem was the head. Well, okay, so it wasn't a hearing problem. Maybe they just didn't understand, okay? Maybe, maybe that was the case. We've all 
um, either seen a toddler or raised a toddler ourselves, right? And um, toddlers are tough. You kind of get in this, this mode where it's like, they, they don't really know English yet. <laughs> and so where is the point where it's like, okay, they don't understand me. And oh yeah, they understand me. Where is that point? Man, it takes wisdom to be a parent, right? And so like you lead with that question of maybe they just don't understand. Like, hey, little buddy, hey, don't do this. Don't do this. Hey, don't. You, you know, you're doing... And they, they get it. They understand. You explain two, three times. Even if you've never even said that particular word, hot, or electrocution. Uh-huh. They know. Don't. And they do it anyways. Why? Because they want to. It's not an issue of understanding. They're rebelling against mom and dad. They're hard in their hearts. We love those little precious little toddlers, right? But what they need is a heart change. They understand. And that's what's happening here. Well, maybe they didn't understand. And Paul like brings out the big guns from the law, quotes Moses, from the prophets, and quotes Isaiah twice. And he's like, they understood. Verse 19. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. So God has a strategy here. More on this to come. But what is happening here is this like epitome of blue chips, right? How do you make your star player on the varsity team play better, but he's got a bad attitude, he skipped classes, and he got all F's that week? You bench him. You put him on the bench, you put the sixth man in, and what does that do? It scares the rest of the team to get better grades, to not skip class, and to work harder in practice and not have a bad attitude. And when he comes around, Put him back in, right? Coach plays five guys that follow the rules, like that are, that are that are on the team, that have good attitude, that are like ready to play. He benches Israel. Why? To make him jealous. Why? We'll see later. But he's got a plan for him. Okay. He's blue chips. So you're not on the bench if you're a Christian. What's your job? Well, faith comes through hearing. Your job is to take the torch that was given to Israel. Do you remember their purpose? It was from the book of Isaiah that they would be a, that's right, they would be a light to the Gentiles. Your job, your job is to be a light to all kinds of people. To be a fisher of men for all kinds of fish. Verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. A little review. This side. Was it a hearing problem? No. 
This side. Was it an understanding problem? No. Israel was responsible. Hear that word. Israel was responsible for rejecting God. And I just want to say, let that be a great tool in your belt for discernment in your ministry with people. You might be tempted to give people a pass. Maybe they didn't hear right. Maybe they just didn't understand. It was probably my fault. I could have explained it better. Friends, you could explain things till you're blue in the face. It's not your fault that people reject God. Your aim, your job, is to be a proclaimer of the gospel. Do it well. Do it loving in grace and truth. But proclaim I hope that equips you in discernment. Israel didn't want to follow God. And so in relationship, be patient with people. Take those necessary steps. Proclaim the gospel. Explain it to them. Make sure you, you, you organize your thoughts well so it is easily understood. Work hard at it. As a workman, worthy. But at the end of the day, people will reject God. Rejection comes from a heart of stone. And if you have a heart of flesh, God grants the faith that produces genuine obedience. So that's for other people, right? And for you, but like beyond you, in your ministries, in your job, your workplaces, your schools, things like that to give you discernment. But what about us? Like in this room right now, like what about me? Like, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to examine my life through this text? Am I rejecting Him in any areas of my life? Am I withholding myself? Have I given him the key to every room in my house? Or is it like, you can come in the kitchen, you can come you know, in the bathroom, you can come in the living room, but don't come in my closet. Just don't, don't come there, Lord. Have you given him every key in your house? You might say so far, oh, I, I, haven't, I haven't rejected the Lord. I came to Christ when I was eight at camp. I'm good to go. But you reject him with your life. I'll say it again that God grants the faith that leads to genuine obedience, genuine following after him. There were many times in the Old Testament where Israel said, We are so on board with that. We will follow you. And the pattern of their life was disobedience. And God deemed that or marked it with a big old sharpie and said, you're rejecting me. So our call. Point number three. Our call to respond. So I'll leave you with two things. The first one, I think you can anticipate this. But just for clarity's sake. Church, share the gospel. <laughs> with your mouth, with words. Speak 
of the life-giving message through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, you've been given the torch of Christianity to carry it high and to shine brightly. This means do good deeds. We see in the scriptures um, to let your light shine before men, to let your works be a, a marker that, you, that you're different. But you must team your works with words to be an evangelist, to talk about the things of God. And I think I'm saying that because it's so often, it's the easiest path to be like, I just do the hand thing. I just like serving. So let's be a church that with joy proclaims the, co- the gospel. Amen? Amen? How will they know if you don't tell them? And point number two, this is short, so it deserves explanation. Don't be like Israel. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I think it's just real easy to learn from this. Hey, don't be like Israel. Okay? Like, don't be a disobedient and contrary people. And so this, like, I just giggle because it's like, oh, that's easy for you to say, Mike. So just stop being disobedient, right? And I just love the theme that Paul does with the book of Romans because he tells you how to be obedient. It's not just this like kick out of the nest and just start obeying, you big doofus. But he tells you how to do it. Could I tell you how to do it? Romans 6, 17. So put it in your margin in Romans 10. How do I not reject him? How do I, how do I obey him? And I'm going to read the NIV just to, just to bring another translation into it. Listen to this. But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. Isn't that great? The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Oh, I love that. Kids, you guys like Capture the Flag? Man, that's a great game. It's like God like sent his son and Jesus like went past enemy lines and like got you and like brought you back over the line and put a stake in the ground and he said, you are mine. Like you're mine. Your allegiance. I want you. You're on my team now. And so I'm going to give you the ability and the desire to obey from the heart. So I'm going to change your heart. I don't want you to just obey externally. I'm going to change you from within. I'm going to grant you the very desire. And I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you Jesus to work and dwell in you. And through that, you can glorify me. Not on your own, not on your own strength, not on your own abilities or creative blah, 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 blah. Through Christ, you can do it. You don't always have the heart to do it. You don't always have the desire to do it. I don't either. But thanks be to God that we have His Spirit indwelling in us where we can go to Him and be honest and go, Lord, now I know the truth. And I know the direction You want me to go. 
And I need to be honest with you, like a child, I just, I don't want to right now. Would you help me? Would your spirit that is at work within me change my desires? I'm going to trust you with that because I don't want to. And guess what happens? He does. Slowly but surely, he changes your heart to want him. Day after day, it's beautiful. It's called the mercies of God, which are new every morning. So are you rejecting him? Have you been calloused to the things of God? This is the gospel that you're hearing today, that you must repent and be open and honest with God and allow him to drive you back to him. Let's pray. Lord, you are good, and we, we want you. And when we don't want you, forgive us, Lord. Would you do this now in our church? Would you change our very hearts? Would you help us to be honest with you about when we don't want to seek after you, when we would rather be lazy or be lustful or be anything except, except holy? And so would you change us from within by your Spirit and grant us the desires to be a people that are marked by obedience from the heart, by faith. And so we look to you. We ask you to move. Your word doesn't return void. Every word of it is true. It is a shield to those who trust in it. And so we're going to trust in you now. Lord, reveal to us, Lord, who needs the gospel? Who should we go to? What should we say? How should we say it? Would you work in those ways? And Lord, forgive us for rejecting you, for rejecting our calling, for rejecting that mission to be a light to our neighbors and friends and family. Give us great wisdom on when and how, but Lord, let us be surrendered to the basic truth that we must.